What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to chapter 119 of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the What's Crackin' episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Fields, and Travis View. After much ado, the Kraken is here. Sidney Powell, at first a central figure of Trump's legal team, and now some sort of Ronin carving her own path, has <laughs> unleashed her mythical lawsuits. We're going to take a look at what she's reheated for us in the microwave and how her claims have affected the people accused of conspiracy to commit voter fraud during the 2020 presidential election. The guest this week is Ali Metzi, our Chicago-style attorney, who will help sort the wheat from the chaff when it comes to wholly unproven allegations made by Sidney Powell and, separately, Rudy Giuliani's crack legal team. But before all that... QAnon News. For my first story... Representative-elect Marjorie Taylor Greene blocks fearless reporter Travis View because of an excellent tweet. God, we're going to have to hear about this. This is going to be in every QAnon news every no. week until she unblocks you. It's sad, kind of. So here's how it got blocked. So first, Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> this is, by the way, if you've noticed, if you let Travis like have any episode, it's going to start with uh, talking about his Twitter. That's right. How many Listen. impressions did he achieve? It is. Uh, it I'm is only here Twitter. because of my Twitter account. <laughs> so yes, true. it's going to yeah. be a main feature of the conversation. <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, she tweeted on November 23rd that she was going to serve as a certified ballot watcher for the recount going on in Georgia. So this was a uh, confusing tweet because it's apparently just a machine recount, but but whatever. So I knew what was going to happen when she, I was like, okay, she's going to go into this building and she's going to claim something suspicious was going on. She's going to claim that there are some sort of like boxes of ballots being piled up or something. She's going to yeah. make up some bullshit because that's her MO. And so I tweeted in response, I quote tweeted her and I said this. Before evaluating any claims made by Rep-elect Marjorie Taylor Greene in her capacity as a certified ballot monitor, bear in mind that she was verifiably an active QAnon follower and promoter for over a year. Now, that is a perfectly factual tweet. I don't think it's very disrespectful. It's I think it's you know oh, it's obviously critical, but it's not. Uh, I don't think it's uh, that that bad. Any. You're saying she's woke. Well, you're just, I mean, you're, you're just saying merely what exists. You're saying she's an enlightened being that has, like, amazing spiritual research behind her. So I tweeted that, and then I got the block just immediately. Oof. Like, just, just like, within a minute or two. It she was, had man, enough of you. Yeah, yeah she's well, like— Well, her nephew Caleb had had enough of him. <laughs> I'm, I think she does her own social media. She's very savvy in that sense. It's true. This story can't be told if, if it's just some no, shitty no, Caleb. It's not, no, I want You're not fighting Caleb. So mad at me, she personally blocked me. <laughs> this also bummed me out because she's usually a fighter. She usually like gets in the scraps with people, you know, wherever wherever yeah. people uh, challenge her online. But me, she just gave the block. She just wants me yeah. to go away. You basically showed up in like full tights with your your mask on, and you were like hungered, <laughs> and the room was just empty. Yeah, you thought this might be a Gore Vidal William Buckley kind of relationship yeah, where you would start yeah. to you know maybe like punch at each other, and eventually you'd work yourself up to be, to having her say that she's going to sock you in the jaw, you queer. But you know. That would have been like the apotheosis. This is shut down before anything begins. Owned. 
And this whole episode, by the way, is just Travis trying to get unblocked because <laughs> it's true. he needs her. Citizen Marjorie Taylor Greene is allowed to block whoever she wants. However, and I'm quoting uh, directly from the ACLU website, quote, if social media is used by a public official to conduct government business, blocking members of the public from seeing the site or from posting comments may violate the First Amendment. Wait, so you've talked a lot about the Banhammer, how that's a free thing. Yeah. And you're com- you're complaining to the mods right now. I uh, no, I'm I'm not <laughs> the biggest well, mods case, of them all. In this case, the mods are the Constitution. <laughs> I, 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 I believe I believe in complaining to the government. That's that's all you do. Listen, look, these are great uh, mods. These are Benjamin Franklin. Uh, <laughs> listen, uh, Thomas Jefferson. I believe these are some of the best mods. These we've mods ever owned had. slaves. Okay, so they are on top. <laughs> yes. I believe you should yeah, block whoever you want, ban yeah. whoever you want, but not when it violates my constitutional rights. Marjorie Taylor Greene, don't tread on him. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to see. I'm going to wait. So she gets sworn in January 3rd. Yeah. That's how this works out. So I'm going to see how irritating I can be to the yeah. uh, freshman member of Congress starting next year. This mm-hmm. should be should be fun. This, I look forward to this show just being a, a call-out platform for Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> <laughs> you send public messages. For my next story, President Trump pardons General Michael Flynn. I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne. Let my armies be the rocks and the trees and the birds in the sky. So this is an unsurprising move from Trump. The pardon ends a long-running legal odyssey for Flynn, who was the only member of the Trump administration to be charged as part of special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia investigation. Well, I've been waiting quite a long time to get these chains off around my wrists, boy. Michael Flynn celebrated the occasion in his usual way by amplifying a bunch of QAnon bullshit. On Saturday, November 28th alone, he quote-tweeted the Chicago-based QAnon activist Veronica Monica Wolski, also the 8 Kuhn administrator, Ron Watkins, and uh, QAnon promoting lawyer L. Lynn Wood. So he's quote tweeting and promoting QAnon promoters left and right. He also gave his very first interview since being pardoned. And guess which outlet he gave this interview to? Uh, clearly, it wasn't Fox News. Fox News is uh, is uh, they're, they're out. They're canceled. Even Newsmax is canceled now. Yeah. They, like, wait, yeah. Newsmax is canceled. Yeah, they they actually certified the re- or like they accepted the certification they, for the results no. in several states. They were no well, all they did big was mistake. <laughs> they reported it when yeah. those states were exactly. certified. Yeah, like they accepted it. I mean, like by. Saying it was a fact. It was. <laughs> they allowed it to be fact. And then the Newsmax watchers like, Fuck you're off! telling me facts that make Fuck me uncomfortable? You. But really, you do now hear uh, discourse on OAN kind of describing Fox as left wing. Yes. So we're doing great. The Overton window is doing great. Yeah. Uh, One American News also didn't get the honor, actually. The first place to interview General Flynn was an obscure outlet called Worldview Weekend. Of course. Oh which manages to outcrazy them all. Nice. Headlines from Worldview Weekend or WVW include The Kraken Revealed proves domestic traitors and foreign enemies attempted to steal America's election. Uh, One headline from February of 2019 said how the communists are taking over the U.S. government in evangelical churches. Of course, evangelical churches, a hotbed 
for communism. <laughs> That's Everybody right. knows it. They're trying to organize. They're trying to organize and say that maybe the pastor shouldn't have three Rolls Royces while we all toil in the darkness. <laughs> yeah, and I at, fucking support it. At the I, end. I support the Maoist resurgence that is beginning clearly in evangelical churches because America doesn't make any sense. And I've accepted that. I'm fine. During an interview on Saturday with Worldview Weekend's Brandon House, General Michael Flynn sounded confident that President Trump would still win this thing. What's happening in this country should should never happen. And we are going through, there's no doubt in my mind, we're going through a, a, uh, a, a crucible of history. And if we don't, if we don't correct what it is that's happening right now over the next couple of weeks, then, then I, I, I really hate to even think about what will happen in our country going forward into the latter part of December and certainly into the into the next month. I do not believe, I do not believe for a second that the country will accept Vice President Biden as the next president based on what we know to be probably the greatest fraud that our country has ever experienced in our history. So there's a lot of things happening. And, uh, and it's all, to me, it's all positive. I was asked today on a scale of one to 10, who will be the next president? And I said, 10, it'll be Donald Trump. It'll be President Trump. There's no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt in my mind that he won this election, hands down, in a landslide, probably somewhere between 350 and 400 uh, uh, electoral college votes. You know, honestly, I feel compelled to look into what's going on with Worldview Weekend because it seems to be the go-to network for red-pilled retired generals. That same anchor, Brandon House, also interviewed Lieutenant General McInerney, but he hasn't served in the military at all since 1994. During that interview, McInerney added some extra layers to the completely baseless claim that there was a military raid on servers in Germany related to the election somehow. McInerney claimed that the facility that was supposedly raided in Germany was operated by the CIA. He further claims that service members were killed in action during this raid. And further, he somehow relates this to the 100% fictional computer and computer program Hammer and Scorecard, which some people in conspiracy land think changes votes somehow. So basically they're kind of unearthing all these spoiled, rotten minds of like the empire as it melts. And they're bringing these corpses out into the light, stinking of pustules and oozing at the face, clearly just reanimated for just one last awful breath. Special operation forces seize those, that facility. So they have those servers. And did, they know all this data they are provided. Did that go down without now, incident, by the way? Did that seizure go down without incident? Well, I've heard it, uh, it, it didn't go down without incident. I haven't been able to verify it. I, I want to be careful in that. It's just coming out. But uh, I understand my initial report is that there were U.S. soldiers killed in that operation. Now... That was a CIA operation. So that's the, that's the very worrisome thing. Did that occur because of what uh, Mary and I and Alan were notifying on the Sunday and the Monday? The whole bridge Different club. networks that this was going to happen, that they were using hammer and scorecard. And so they decided to bounce it overseas. 
so the, the server farms that uh, Hammer and Scorecard were using in the continental United States couldn't be used. I don't know that. You are saying that was a CIA facility and that, that was where the server was taken from by these special forces was a CIA facility in Germany. That's correct. Frankfurt, Germany. He's saying that there was an army raid on a CIA facility that was somehow was holding servers that were stealing the election. And then soldiers were killed during this raid. So this is really yeah. is a sort of a white hat, black hat kind of mm -hmm. battle going on with deaths in Germany that yeah. he, he says is going on right now. This is all Phil Schneider. I was like just, underground I was base. just thinking. I yeah. was like, this is so it's the same the beats war, the hidden at, war, yeah, the hidden war. Well, the hidden war is like every conspiracy theory at this point. Yeah, and I mean, I it's true that Flynn believes he's in an actual hidden war due right. to his Dominion Christian beliefs. So I do want to point out that Flynn and McInerney, McInerney, was it? Yeah, that's right. That they're they're both uh, Irish surnames, and this wouldn't have happened if white people never stopped being racist towards the Irish. I will say that. Yeah, don't you have? Isn't that your blood? I, I can pass. I can pass for non-Irish, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. you can. <laughs> it's like I can pass for non-Jewish. Yeah, this me, motherfucker got me out of a lot of sticky situations. Gun, he's gunning for a capo <laughs> position in the new anti-Irish machine. Sidney Powell's Kraken is released. A lot of people continue to ask, what is QAnon's reaction to Trump's loss in the election? And the answer is still, it's too early to tell. Yeah, they're in a fugue state. Yeah. <laughs> Even though November is over and the swing states of Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Michigan have all certified their votes and President-elect Biden's even staffing his cabinet, QAnon followers are still convinced that it's only a matter of time before Trump is declared the winner of the election. To give you an idea of how certain they are, here is a post from OG QAnon promoter Joe M on Parlor. The ones laughing at us now for declaring with 100% certainty that hashtag Biden will never be president are deeply embedded in the textbook definition of a cult. They cannot see what we see because the cult masters they worship are the ones they rely on to tell them what's real. For years, we have tried to free them from bondage, but they, unlike us, who are only committed to the truth no matter where it led, would stubbornly cling to their mental life raft, even though solid ground was but only a short distance away. Very soon now, they will be forced to choose whether to courageously venture back to dry land, or be tossed violently in the sea foam as their world flips upside down. Authorities are camped outside the city limits of their small town, ready to raid the mansions of their cult masters, leaving the deceived townsfolk in a state of fear and confusion. Yet, despite the abuse we have taken, we wait with open arms to receive them when their eyes adjust to an unfamiliar but better world. He has not changed from like a year and a half ago. I mean, he was he was telling me, yeah, in the next like two weeks, few months at the very most, and it's just never going to end with him. No, he's in this permanent, it's around the corner state. British QAnon promoter Martin Geddes is also thoroughly convinced that the election will be invalidated in a matter of weeks. Geddes wrote an essay titled The Digital Coup and the Great Exposure, which has been circulating in the QAnon community. Here's what it says in part. In the next few weeks, the awful truth about the recent U.S. election and the attempted theft of the presidency from the people will become impossible to ignore. The Director of National Intelligence is tasked with delivering his assessment of the integrity of the election within 45 days, the deadline being December 18th. 
other lawsuits and events are progressing in the interim. We are already witnessing the run-up to the disclosure of fraud and foreign interference prior to the December 14th Electoral College vote. Fraud vitiates everything and annuls the Biden candidacy. Foreign interference makes this a matter of military law. You are going to see a mass treason event and huge numbers of people brought to justice. This wasn't really an election. It was a military intelligence sting operation against a corrupt establishment. There is absolutely no way that the U.S. military would have spent years tangibly preparing us for this watershed event, including bringing Trump into the presidency, only to allow assets of the Chinese Communist Party to retake control over the United States of America. It just isn't happening. These celebrations will be short-lived as the boomerang motion of the vast sting operation becomes unmistakable and unavoidable. Just fucking fantasy. I can already feel this etching itself into the, you know, sort of like long-standing conspiracy community. I mean, can you imagine, you know, 10 years from now, you're at a bar, you know, the world is back open, you're, you're you know, you're smoking a cigarette outside and some grizzled, <laughs> some grizzled old guy, you're talking and, and he says, oh, well, well, you know that, uh, you know, they stole the 2020 election, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You haven't looked. Oh, look at look into Dominion. Look into this. I mean, you can yeah, course, see yeah. it just Looking like hammer and scorecard yes, go spreading away. its roots. And all of this shit, you know, all of this shit that's bubbling to the surface right now will be frozen in time. You know, they'll take little bits and pieces of Sidney Powell's press conference. They'll say, she, she even tried. There was a lawyer who was trying to fight it. She yeah. she went on TV and 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 accused. Uh, you should watch it. It's Mysteriously, real. she was fired, had to step back. It wasn't clear. Oh, why did that happen? I mean, it's going to be so easy. But also, I mean, it looks a bit like what Pizzagate did. You know, we thought it was kind of gone. You're like, right. we're like, well, no, that's mm -hmm. the stupid one that people left because QAnon would be kind of work better. Mm -hmm. But then it just came back as if none of that mattered. And like you said, it was frozen in time for children who were rediscovering it on TikTok. A lot of QAnon followers are hoping that Michael Flynn's Q-pilled lawyer, Sidney Powell, will expose the supposed election fraud that made it appear that Biden won the election. Powell herself has claimed that Trump won in a landslide and repeatedly promised that forthcoming evidence will demonstrate that the election was corrupted by the most massive fraud in U.S. history. On a November 13th appearance on the Fox business show Lou Dobbs Tonight, Powell put that promised disclosure of evidence in dramatic terms when she said that she would release the Kraken. Sydney, at the outset of this broadcast, I said that this is the culmination of what has been a, over a four-year effort to overthrow this president, to first deny his candidacy, uh, uh, the uh, election, but then uh, to overthrow his presidency. This looks like the effort to uh, to carry out an end game in the in the effort against him. Uh, do you concur? Oh, absolutely, and it's uh, it's been uh, organized and and conducted with the help of Silicon Valley people, the the big tech companies, the social media companies, and even the media companies. And I'm going to release the Kraken. She loved delivering that line. She had that in her back pocket the entire interview. She's so pleased with herself for finally getting it out. I don't she think I've seen a public occasion where she's not wearing some form of animal print, usually cheetah or leopard. <laughs> she really rules. And she likes turtlenecks, too. Broadly, she's kind of a style icon. I think that she's maybe caught the uh, Clash of the Titans uh, remake um, on TBS late late the night prior. <laughs> this movie you know, comes I, up a lot by you. It's a great uh, line. With <laughs> Sam Worthington, there's a there's a Clash of the Titans remake 
There's a good yeah. Kraken scene in it. It probably plays on TBS. You should edit all of this out. I don't know. <laughs> either that or I'll, I don't know. Either that or I'll basically have the Kraken just come in over you. <laughs> and just overtake your voice. Brother, it is time for the mortals to pay. My child waits to do your will. Release the Kraken! Now, QAnon followers weren't sure what the Kraken meant exactly, but they were convinced it meant something huge. And they fired up Photoshop. They put Sidney Powell's face in, uh, you know, uh, Clash of the Titans stills and uh, tons of memes. They were tens of thousands of mentions. I saw one where she was dual wielding pistols. Yes, right. That was dope. That's right. They combined, they photoshopped her head. That was, I think, from Resident Evil. Yes. They photoshopped her head onto Resident Evil character and then Mila Jovovich. And then she put, they put that character into Clash of the Titans. It's just (laughs) mixing and matching. Brains so melted by Hollywood. Just every fantasy is blending together now. But before the Kraken could be released, the Trump campaign <laughs> cut ties with Sidney Powell suddenly on November 22nd. QAnon people said, like, no, no, this is a good thing. It, it means that uh, Sidney Powell represents we the people now and not the Trump campaign. Mm-hmm. They had she's actually the- more powerful now yeah. that she's less powerful. <laughs> when Rudy Giuliani was asked why Trump team split with Sidney Powell, he said this. Well, I think it's because we're pursuing two different theories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are two things I love about that. Number one is like he says, I think like like he, is, yeah. he doesn't know what the hell is going on with his own legal team. He's yeah. not 100 percent sure. He's just spitballing. But also two different theories as if like, you know, as like she can go on and do her own thing. But we have our own theories. Getting fired didn't deter Sidney Powell, however. She released a message to the press after she was let go, which included hashtags for some reason. I understand today's press release. I will continue to represent hashtag we the people who had their votes for Trump and other Republicans stolen by massive fraud through Dominion and Smartmatic, and we will be filing suit soon. The chips will fall where they may, and we will defend the foundations of this great republic. Hashtag Kraken on steroids. <laughs> so what? So the Kraken hasn't been released already, but the Kraken is already juicing. <laughs> the, the Kraken listened. The Kraken looked at the competition. He realized everybody's doing it. Finally, Sidney Powell filed her lawsuits in Georgia and Michigan to stop certification of the vote and other remedies. These lawsuits were presumed to be the Kraken. The Georgia lawsuit, as part of a continuing trend of conspiracy theory garbage, included multiple misspellings in the very first line. Where it says, in the United States District Court, Northern District of Georgia, Atlanta Division, the word district is misspelled twice in two different ways. That takes, that takes, that takes like, I mean, think of the lack of proofreading you have to have to have the same word misspelled twice in different ways in the title, the title, the thing at the top. Uh, The first time the word is misspelled with an extra C, like D-I-S-T-R-I-C-C-T. It's like the word thick. You just don't understand the youth. And the second misspelling is even more creative. It added both an extra C and an extra O, just out of nowhere. This one reads as distrocoiked. Yeah. Of course, QAnon followers believe that misspellings matter, so some convince themselves that since the first misspelling includes C-C, that refers to the Cyber Command, the Mm -hmm. Army Cyber Command. Obviously. 
And the second misspelling includes the string of letters C-O-I-C, so that must refer to the Combined Operations and Intelligence Center. Indeed. So I, they never exactly say why these misspellings are necessary or what, what exactly its significance are, but they always... Yeah, what's the significance of putting just the names of these agencies into Yeah, it's like, why? What, what does that tell you? What it's like, and therefore, follow the string of logic. What's, what exactly does that mean beyond that? It's never answered. Other people like Ron Watkins claim that the misspellings were intentional as part of a strategy to get the press to cover the lawsuits. This is that they always say. It's like, it's like, oh, you're like making fun of the misspellings, but it, in effect, it's spreading the message. Sidney Powell uh, filed these lawsuits and then uh, posted copies of them on her website, DefendingTheRepublic.org. There on that website, you can donate money to Sidney Powell in order to save America. And when I say donate money to Sidney Powell, I mean directly to her. If you go to the website, you'll see that she instructs people to make checks payable to Sidney Powell. (laughs) She has another segment here where it's just her Amazon wish list, and it's just various leopard print. Yeah, she, she's, she's one step away from listing her cash app and Venmo. <laughs> the lawsuits themselves do not present compelling evidence of widespread voter fraud, but rather are a collection of every half-baked election conspiracy theory floating on the Internet. A few of these claims have already been explicitly rejected in court, and some of them we've already talked about on the show. For example, the suits include an affidavit from Ron Watkins about the security of Dominion voting systems, even though Ron Watkins himself has never used election software in his life. There is, of course, also the uh, anonymous declaration from an operator who claims he witnessed election fraud in Venezuela, who has absolutely no credibility whatsoever. I was having a cafecito in La Guaira, and uh, what did I see but Hugo Chavez uh, stuffing ballots? And he was using a computer that I'd never seen before on it. It said Hammer, Scorecard, what else do we have, Kraken, what do we, (laughs) Dominion, it said all the names. Also added is a second additional anonymous declaration from another operator. This particular one says that he is a former intel officer, and he claims that Iran and China somehow had access to Dominion voting systems and then changed the votes. Among his evidence is a URL that redirects to the Dominion Voting Systems website, uh, which was apparently registered in China. For our uh, anonymous operator's qualifications, he says that uh, he was an electronic intelligence analyst with the 305th Military Intelligence Battalion with experience gathering intel about SAM missile systems. Now, what's left unmentioned is that the mission of the 305th Battalion is to train initial trainees to be military intel analysts. So he's basically saying that I was in military intel boot camp and I never progressed further than that. I've opened so many ports you wouldn't believe it. (laughs) Also included in the Kraken lawsuits are the claims from Colorado businessman Joe Altman. The Dominion Voting Systems employee confessed to rigging the election during an Antifa conference call. And I want to zoom in on this claim specifically because it baffles me how far this story has spread and how much damage it has caused, despite the fact that there is no substance to it whatsoever. So here's basically the story that Joel Altman is spreading. He says that he infiltrated an Antifa conference call back in September. And during this call, Altman says he heard someone who was referred to as Eric from Dominion say that he made sure that Trump was going to lose the election. Here's how he first told the story on a November 9th episode of his podcast, Conservative Daily. So it was on the call discussing, quote unquote, fascists. And it was fascinating, honestly, to see how they thought and spoke. 
I mean, the amount of rhetoric that they did, it was downright scary, actually, because I couldn't identify with what they were, what they were talking about. Um, as a call carried on, a person who called himself Eric was on the call. Now, I can't tell you if it's the same Eric, but I'm going to tell you how it led me to gather the rest of this information. Someone interrupts, who's Eric? Someone else answers, Eric is the Dominion guy, right? Now, the fact that Antifa knows that he's a Dominion guy and I'm on this call and everyone's like, oh, oh, he's a Dominion guy. Okay. So go ahead, Eric, came from somebody else. So Eric responds. So actually, somebody actually interrupts first and says, what are we going to do if effing Trump wins? Right? As in somebody's frustrated and they're, they're talking on this call. And he responds, and I'm paraphrasing this, right? Don't worry about the election. Trump is not going to win. I made effing sure of that. Ha 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 ha. And everyone's like, yeah. And then somebody else responds, effing right. Right? So Eric continues to fortify. This person, Eric, continues to fortify uh, groups and recruiting. And he was eccentric and very boisterous. And compared to what I remember hearing in his other videos, um, I think it's a match, but I can't be sure. So I'm going to put that out there, but I can be sure of everything else I'm about to share with you. So you can't be sure of the identity of the person, which is the basis for the entire claim. Yep. Now, before we even talk about the person making this claim, Joel Altman, this is pretty thin gruel. There's no evidence that Coomer made these remarks besides the testimony of Altman himself, because there's apparently no recording. And even if we were to assume that Altman's story is 100% true and accurate, that still isn't evidence that Eric Coomer made those remarks. There are lots of organizations called Dominion. There are lots of Eric's in this world. So why automatically assume that he specifically heard Eric Coomer from Dominion voting systems? And even if we were to assume that it is Eric Coomer from Dominion Voting Systems, and he did in fact make those remarks. That's not actually evidence of election fraud. So Joel Altman has nothing of substance, even if we give him more benefit of the doubt than he deserves. I killed JFK. <laughs> Done. We have evidence of <laughs> evidence. We, we found it. Julian, he did it. Well, my work here is done. Put your hands behind your back. I've been tracking this guy through time and space. I've traveled from the future. Despite that fact, Altman's claims about Eric Coomer have spread all over the right-wing media ecosystem. He was featured in an interview with Michelle Malkin, an interview with Chanel Rion of One America News, a segment with Epoch Times, and an article with Gateway Pundit. In Sidney Powell's Kraken lawsuit, he was also mentioned. The lawsuit includes this line. Dominion altered its website after Colorado resident Joe Altman disclosed that as a reporter, he infiltrated Antifa, a domestic terrorist organization, where he recorded Eric Coomer representing, quote, don't worry, Trump won't win the election. We fixed that. So there's lots of things going on there. But what jumps out at me is that in her lawsuit, Sidney Powell appears to have changed the paraphrase quote that was already <laughs> bullshit to begin with. Let's be honest. Joe Altman's alleged paraphrase quote is, don't worry about the election. Trump's not going to win. I made fucking sure of that. But the paraphrase of the paraphrase in the lawsuit is, don't worry, Trump won't win the election. We fix that. So this is just melted telephone conspiracy it theory is. garbage, but like in lawsuit form, in a court. Yeah. But again, it wouldn't actually be evidence of election fraud if Coomer said either of those phrases. This is a fact that even some of Altman's fellow conservatives recognize. 
For example, on November 17th, Altman called in to do an interview with a Colorado AM talk radio veteran named Peter Boyles. Peter Boyles is apparently no lib. He even promoted conspiracy theories like birtherism when Obama was president. But Boyles sounded very frustrated when he was unable to get Altman to cough up any actual evidence that Coomer committed election fraud. I spliced together some of the most telling parts of that 45-minute long interview. How did you get on the call? Um... Very carefully. <laughs> no, no, I mean, that's, that's not an answer. I mean, how did you, did you tap in? Is that how you got in? No, I, I, I legally got on the call. So everything I did was legal. No, well then, you, you have a tape and, of this? Uh, do you have a tape of this? Um, you know, I can't tell you what I uh, do okay. and don't have. And you, Yeah, so you, I, I mean, I, I, I want to, again, he was on the phone call, right? That's how I, I started getting the information I had on him. And then uh, later on, uh, uh, you know, obviously, I was able to uncover some stuff that, that strongly linked him to Antifa and being anti-American uh, and certainly anti-Trump. So this Eric Coomer is able to do then what? Well, I think we have to get back to what we discovered, right? right. So when I when, when you get when you get when you get back to what we discovered on Facebook, it was really simple. Um, I started looking at some of the things that he posted the day before the election, where he tells people to um, that if you voted for this narcissistic, and I don't know the exact wording, I, it's not sitting in front of me, uh, individual, um, that uh, that you need to basically to pound sand, right? So that was the day before the election. I, with with, uh, with, with so respect I'm, and limited time, that doesn't mean, I mean, again, I'm looking for evidence, and, and you're sure that this Eric Coomer is the Eric on the phone call? Yeah, yeah I mean, good. I'm fairly right, sure. Good. All right, yeah. good, all right. I'm, as, I'm as sure as you could possibly be uh, never meeting a person, all right? Fair right? enough. But it, let, me, let me ask you a question. Sure, when in course. the world, when, when did the media become the ultimate expert of being able to call the president-elect? Listen to me, one more. I, when hate, did the, I hate the media. I hate the media. Don't, okay. don't hang that on me. I hate the media. I don't think you understand well, who listen, I am. I want Donald Trump, I want Donald Trump to be reelected. I'm looking for evidence no, to, I, to make the case. And I think, I, think, I think that's the difference, right? I don't want President Trump to be elected. I want whoever is the rightful person well, that should be the president of the United States to be elected. Then who do you but believe? we have an obligation to protect, we have an obligation to protect our constitutional republic. That. We have that's, an obligation to it. And who do, you believe, right? who, so, do you, who do you believe won this election? I believe President Trump won the okay. election. All right. You understand, and this is what, I think you're a great guest, <laughs> and I think we, we'd be friends. Joe, but here's the truth. You gotta show me. Joe Altman's claims become even more suspect when you start looking into his background. He apparently has a history of threatening to expose people as members of Antifa in this kind of McCarthyist way. In addition to running a data marketing company in Colorado, Altman runs a nonprofit called FEC United. FEC United, in part, mobilizes support for Republican candidates in Colorado. On October 15th of this year, Altman hosted an event called the FEC United Final Countdown Members Meeting. It was attended by several Colorado Republican candidates and featured video messages from both Eric Trump and Colorado GOP Vice Chair Christy Burton Brown. And everybody wore the same Nikes. During that meeting, the publication Colorado Times Recorder captured video of Altman threatening to demask journalists as Antifa members if they write about his organization. So through this whole process, um, 
we've been actually demasking. We have people on the inside in lots of places demasking Antifa members that are actually acting as journalists. So we've uncovered 13 journalists that work in organizations that are part of the Antifa organization that are actually journalists writing stories to, about us. So the next thing that we're doing because of that is that we're going to start demasking so people in the community know who they are. But we are coming for them. We're coming for you. I hope they're watching. I hope all they're watching, including the, the uh, one that tried to sneak in here. And if you're in here and you're part of the media and you write something bad about us, better take your byline off it. That's it. Wow. He's operating from this really confused mindset, the belief that, well, if you are anti-Trump or if you're Antifa, then you your opinions are invalidated and you're fair game for anything that happens to you. Yeah. You're like you become a non-person at that point. So the last line that Altman says in that video is, if you write something bad about us, better take your byline off of it, implying that or else I'm going to call you Antifa and that's going to be bad for you. Right. So I think that's really telling because it signals to me that Altman is aware that being publicized as Antifa by a right wing podcaster can be a, you know, a frustrating experience. Interesting. So this is due in part because it signals to lunatics that, uh, yeah, you're just you're just fair game to harass. And this evidently was the experience of Eric Coomer and other employees of Dominion Voting Systems. The company's website currently has this message. Sidney Powell's wild and reckless allegations are not only demonstrably false, they have led to stalking, harassment, and death threats to Dominion employees. This criminal activity has been duly reported to the appropriate law enforcement agencies, and we intend to hold Ms. Powell and those aiding and abetting her fraudulent actions accountable for any harm that may occur as a result. This is when spreading conspiracy theories really gets obnoxious and dangerous. Like, it's one thing to make conspiracy theories about people like Bill Gates or Oprah Winfrey or Hillary Clinton. Like, I might object to misinformation, like, on purely factual grounds, but at the end of the day, those are, like, extremely rich, well-connected people, so they're going to be fine. But that's not necessarily the case when you put that everyone who works for a particular company is a communist agent who is working to destroy American democracy. That kind of misinformation can lead to putting innocent people in real danger. And you'd have to be a seriously depraved sociopath to simply not care that your flimsy allegations are threatening people. And this brings me to the latest QAnon anonymous investigation. As you know, we occasionally infiltrate meetings of online extremists. And in the course of doing that a few months ago, we hopped on a QAnon call, which is a thing that is real and exists. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't have a recording of the call, but according to my notes, one of the people on this call was referred to as Joe from Colorado. Right. I'm not sure if this is the same uh, Joe, Joe Altman, but I'm just going to assume that it is, in fact, I think Joe it does, Altman. Yeah, I think so, based on my best knowledge. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what Joe said, but I'm going to paraphrase yeah. some things based upon my notes. Some so this Joe, presumably Joe Altman, says... I can only come while thinking about the rock biter from the film The Never-Ending Story. Oh, interesting. Shocking. Here it says, I found a urinal cake in my pillow and I ate it. I oh. should call my mom to check if that's okay. I also have here in my notes, uh, I'm a bad businessman who enjoys ripping off my clients. This he is said a that. weird thing to confess. Doesn't even talk like a human. Wow. Yeah. Well, I have I have one more here. It says, uh, don't worry about the election. I plan to tell a bunch of lies in order to make people doubt its legitimacy. Oh, wow. Gosh. Yeah, yeah I, I do remember him saying exactly that. Yeah, right. That's that's that sounds more or right. less exactly. Probably that none of us are very familiar with the law in any real capacity. No. 
So uh, that's why we invited on Chicago-based attorney Ali Metzi to help us make sense of the legal filings by the Trump campaign and their allies. Ali, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. So what were your uh, initial impressions of the Sidney Powell uh, Kraken lawsuits in Georgia and Michigan? I guess my initial um, impression was just being incredibly confused because they're just not super good, I guess. I want to say here that i am been a lawyer only for a short period of time, um, but I have worked in um, like clerking internships in court. So from what I've seen, uh, the two lawsuits are pretty similar. Before we can get into the bonkers facts that Powell's alleged, there are some threshold hurdles that I'm not really sure if she can clear. And one of the big ones is going to be standing. To be able to pursue a claim in court, the plaintiff has to be able to show that they sustained a particularized injury, which means that the defendant's actions affected the plaintiff in a personal and individual way, because the um, federal court isn't a forum for generalized grievances. So I'm going to read a little bit of the um, the opinion that dismissed Lynn Wood's lawsuit, um, because I think that that's illustrative of something that Powell might hit off into. So the judge dismissing Lynn Wood's lawsuit in Georgia wrote that claims premised on allegations that the law has not been followed are precisely the kind of undifferentiated generalized grievance about the conduct of the government that is not allowed. And they're quite different from the sort of injuries alleged by the plaintiff in voting rights cases where we've found standing. Um, One little different thing about Powell's from Woods lawsuit is that it's possible that because Powell has used electors to the electoral college as plaintiffs, and because some states treat electors to the electoral college as candidates, she might have a better chance of finding standing on some of the counts, maybe. But it's likely that they're going to find a lot of what she's saying, generalized grievances, that the law hasn't been followed, and that's going to be fatal to the claims. So another issue that Powell is probably going to hit up against is the doctrine of lashes. Lashes is derived from an old French word, which means dilatoriness or lateness, and it can be invoked by a defendant in its answer to the plaintiff's complaint to say that the plaintiff took too long to invoke the claims. So a successful invocation of the doctrine of lashes requires three things. The defendant has to show that there was a delay in the plaintiff bringing the action, but the delay was unreasonable and that the delay prejudices or harms the defendant. So as an example, um, let's take a look at the Dominion voting machine claims that Sidney Powell brought in Michigan. Among other things, Powell claims that there was a violation of constitutional rights of the plaintiffs because the Dominion voting machines were unsafe and that Michigan signed this contract with Dominion even after Texas had declined to sign a contract with Dominion because they didn't believe that the Dominion voting machines were up to Texas state standards. And they also cited a report about the unsafeness of the Dominion machines from 2019. So Michigan signed its contract with Dominion in 2017. So if there were these issues that were obvious when Texas declined to use Dominion in 2017 and when a report was published about how unsafe Dominion voting machines were in 2019, why did Powell and her clients wait to bring this now after their chosen candidate had lost the election instead of in 2017 or in 2019? Yes, curious timing. <laughs> Similarly, um, a lot of Powell's and Linwood's claims were about how governors and secretaries of state had taken away the ability of state legislatures to control how elections were conducted 
by issuing changes to mail-in voting laws or something like that or similar things. So a lot of these declarations, you know, if if we're pretending that like Wood or Powell has standing on these, but, you know, if they if she wanted to challenge these, they could have challenged them in the spring or the summer when these declarations about mail-in voting were coming out and they waited until November. After, you know, the state had, at great expense, conducted an election. So I think that it's pretty likely that the defendants in these cases will try to invoke the doctrine of lashes to say that, you know, just just too late to do this. So these aren't really the only threshold issues. Um, I could see things like mootness or failure to state a claim coming up too. But I think that standing and the doctrine of lashes are going to be a huge roadblock for a lot of the claims in Powell's lawsuit moving forward. In your estimation, having having read both uh, Sidney Powell's and Wood's lawsuits, which one do you think is the better QAnon lawyer? Uh, if, if, I, if I had to choose, I would probably go with Lynn Wood. Um, oh, wow. I read his Georgia one and it was a lot less like dependent on like the testimony of secret Venezuelan operators than all of Sidney Powell's <laughs> ones are. Like I think yeah. his was over like a violation of the Constitution based on like the Secretary of State changing some rules about how to read um, signatures on mail-in ballots, which is just like a very, very far cry from actually Hugo Chavez's best friend told me to say X, Y, Z. And I think Lynn Wood did put his name on at least one of Sidney Powell's lawsuits too. So, you know, <laughs> he's... Yeah, they're fine. They're, I mean, where we go on, we go on. Right. Before we even talk about the legal problems, the claims themselves is coming from an anonymous person. And it's, I don't see the relevance to the U.S. election. It's bizarre. So what is going on with our anonymous Venezuelan operator who claims that he witnessed uh, election fraud? So, OK, I, this is case is probably never going to get anywhere close to an actual trial. But I can't really imagine that the Venezuelan mystery operator's testimony is going to end up being heard by a trier of fact, like a jury. At least in one of the cases, she's claiming that she's going to reveal the identity of the defendant in camera. And that means she's only going to show it to the judge, not the lawyers, not the other side, nothing. And I really cannot see this flying at all. Definitely just a crude drawing of Speedy Gonzalez. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, our justice system is adversarial, meaning that when one side presents evidence, the other side can try to challenge that evidence. And part of that is going to be knowing who the person is to try to undermine their credibility in the eyes of the jury. And I'm going to give like an example of like how that might work. So say that I'm suing Travis for selling me a shitty broken down car that he knew had engine problems and for lying to me about those engine problems. And the witness that's going to help me show that Travis knew about the engine problems is Alex Jones, who claims that he broke into Bohemian Grove two days before I bought the car and ran into Travis in the bathroom. And Travis told him about this totally busted 2001 Toyota Camry he's been trying to unload on some sucker. But because (laughs) Travis's lawyers know who Alex Jones is, they can find out that actually on that day he was in Texas filming his conspiracy theory show, or maybe point to a million things that might undermine the credibility of Alex Jones. I don't know, because 
Potentially, Travis is going to show up wearing a Guy Fox mask. Oh, I don't like vegan metaphors. <laughs> but you really can't do this with un- anonymous witnesses. So I think that the defendants would probably be able to file a motion in limine, which is a motion to exclude evidence over the testimony of the Venezuelan operator. And the judge... Known as Travis View from right. here on out. And the judge would probably exclude all of Venezuelan operator Travis View's testimony from evidence. <laughs> Again, I've just never seen this before, so this is kind of conjecture. So I also probably, this is also sanctionable by the court. Um, As a lawyer like Powell has a duty of candor to the court and can get in trouble for filing or signing off on anything that's known to be a lie or meant to obstruct the case or waste time. When I read uh, sort of media reports about all these cases, they always emphasize there are big risks that come with putting false information in front of a judge. But a lot of these things, they just seem like they're just... uh, conspiracy theories that Sidney Powell has sucked up from the internet and spitting back in the form of a lawsuit. What is the deal? Like, again, Ron Watkins never used election software in his life, somehow an election software expert in this lawsuit. So, yeah, this one actually has a little bit more of a clear answer about, like, how it's probably going to be handled. Rule 702 of the Federal Rules of Evidence governs the admission of expert testimony. A witness who is qualified as an expert by knowledge, skill, expertise, training, or education may testify in the form of an opinion or otherwise if the expert's scientific, technical, or other specialized knowledge will help the trier of fact to understand the evidence or determine the fact in issue. The testimony is based on sufficient facts or data. The testimony is the product of reliable principles and methods, and the expert has reliably applied the principles and methods to the facts of the case. And this means that the judge has a gatekeeper duty to keep junk science and nonsense experts out of the record. So to trigger this scrutiny by the judge, the defendants would have to file what was called a Daubert motion, named after the case Daubert versus Merrill Dow Pharmaceuticals. A Daubert motion is a special type of motion in limine to exclude expert testimony based on things like the expert's lack of qualifications, poor methodology, conflicts of interest, etc. And once that's been filed, it's up to the party that wants to admit the testimony to prove to the judge that the expert possesses the requisite level of expertise and that the testimony is based on reliable methodology. And so from what I understand, Ron Watkins has never worked with the election software and his examination of the issues with um, Dominion basically come from reading its user manual. And I think that probably (laughs) if the... um, if the defense files a Daubert motion for this, Ron Watkins' testimony is going to be excluded. That that would be my bet for this one. Mm-hmm. The doctor's on the stand and it just turns out he's just read one medical book? Yeah. I don't think that's how it Right, works. or like, you know, there's a doctor who's like PhD is in crystal healing trying to say that like <laughs> 5G caused like well, depression. Yeah, we can only hope for that utopia. Right. Based on their statements, it seems to me that the the strategy of of Trump campaign and their allies is to get a case to the Supreme Court and hand Trump the presidency in some way. I don't understand it. Does it does it make any sense? Do you think do you think this is all going all the way to the the uh, the highest court? Well, I guess technically it's possible. To get to the Supreme Court, you either have to appeal from a state Supreme Court or a federal court of appeals. 
I know that currently Lynn Wood is trying to get the appeals court to rule on the case in Georgia, and Rudy Giuliani just got shot down in the appeals court of the Third Circuit. But like, if I recall correctly, Giuliani's appeal was literally just over whether the trial court abused its discretion in denying them a chance to amend their complaint. Like, you know, can we just update this? Um, so it wasn't even really on an actual issue. Also, if it does somehow, like, you know, the appeals court shoots it down, the Supreme, they send it up, they try to send it up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court doesn't have to take the case. They could just look at it and say, no, we're not interested in handling this. The appeals court decision stands. And I think a lot of people are kind of worried that like, you know, now that the Supreme Court is tilted in favor of conservatives, that the court is going to take any appeal to try and save Trump. And I don't really think that's entirely likely, or at least it isn't a given. But, you know, if something like Powell's lawsuit does go up to the Supreme Court, the decision of the Supreme Court isn't going to be like, oh, actually, Trump won, you know, another term for him. It's going to be about whatever issue that the appeal is centered on, which at this point is probably tied up in procedural and threshold technicalities. If they're victorious, the case is going to be remanded to the trial court for proceedings consistent with the ruling. As an example, like in Bush versus Gore, Gore actually could have continued to push the case in in the lower courts that had been remanded to, but he dropped it. The Supreme Court didn't have to be the end of the line there, but it effectively was. But, you know, in a case like this, where, you know, everything is stopped before there was really any actual address of the merits of the case, I just, I, even the Supreme Court ruling in favor of someone like Powell probably would not do anything. So, as you may know, I was blocked by Representative-elect Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> now, you may not be able to comment on my particular situation, mm. but I'm, I'm hoping you could talk about the precedent for legal challenges to public officials blocking people on Twitter. Yeah, like first, I'd probably recommend talking to a lawyer that like specializes in this, but I, I can talk yeah. about a Twitter some of blocking the, uh... lawyer. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> well, First Amendment lawyer. Um, so yes, I think right. that I've seen a bunch of them on Sesame Street, dude. <laughs> in 2007. The Knight First Amendment Institute, along with seven Trump reply guys, sued the president for blocking them on Twitter, arguing that the blocking deprived them of the First Amendment rights. <laughs> oh, was, was, Jeff Tiedrich, was Jeff Tiedrick on there? <laughs> Tiedrick, the Krasenstein, yeah, I, Trump. I, the only name face. I recognized like immediately was like Eugene Gu. It, it's like, you know, all those guys <laughs> oh, that like, you know, okay. Trump's like, I'm, we're going yeah, to yeah. nuke the caliphate of Iran. And they're mm -hmm. like, don't you mean the caliphate of Iran? <laughs> but the Southern District of New York sided with um, the Knight First Amendment Institute and the reply guys over Trump and ruled that the at real Donald Trump Twitter account is a presidential account as opposed to a personal account and blocking people from it violates their right to participate in a designated public forum. The president appealed this, but in the summer of 2019, the Second Circuit upheld the district court's ruling and said that because Trump used his Twitter to conduct official government business, he couldn't block Americans from the account on the basis of their political views. <laughs> so Trump appealed to have the case heard on Bank or by the entire Second Circuit Court instead of by a smaller panel, but that was denied. And in August of this year, Trump petitioned the Supreme Court. And as of right now, the case is still pending. Oh, wow. <laughs> we right. might have so a reply, reply guy rights case go all the way to the Supreme Court. And then get shut down. Oh, we'll see. Well, Travis, you're not the first person to take issue with a congresswoman blocking you. The day after the Second Circuit ruled in favor of the reply guys, two people sued Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio 
Ocasio-Cortez for blocking them on Twitter. Uh, she she has uh, done injurious horniness to me. <laughs> she has shown me her toesies and she must be struck from the record and the government. So one of them was a former New York State Assemblyman, um, Dove Hickens, um, who I think his issue with her was that she blocked him after um, he got angry with her comparing the border camps to concentration camps. And the other was YouTube prankster, congressional candidate, and known piss drinker, Joey Salads. Nice. So you're you're with good people, <laughs> yeah, Travis. Definitely. Great love company, my company. Travis. <laughs> this segment didn't go like you wanted it to. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. Listen, <laughs> Travis, you and the piss drinking Nazi might win one day. <laughs> Listen, you might First win. First Amendment is designed to protect unpopular opinions <laughs> like piss drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got no idea what happened with the Joey Salad's case, but before Joe Fakin's case went to trial, AOC apologized to him and unblocked him. So the second, oh. um, the second circuit appeals court ruling did not stop elected officials from acting to prevent threats, abuse, or harassment. So AOC reserved the rights to block Twitter users who engaged in actual harassment of her or to try to use her personal account for commercial purposes, which I, ex- I assume they're just like spamming her replies with like, buy this galaxy lamp, buy Ray Bans. Like, that's, yeah. I assume that's what that means. Public officials can block you for some reasons. But yeah, I would talk to lawyers who are more qualified to talk about this than me. Well, um, I will. Yeah, no, he's He'll on be a taking path. it all the way to the top. <laughs> he's on a path. He, this this month, he asked for a 300% raise, so and he wants all that money for reasons he won't disclose. I, I yeah, she she has until January 3rd, so enjoy yeah. her peace. Separately from that, Representative-elect Green. Separately from that, we're starting a super PAC um, that is going to support his quest, but it was not unrelated. Oh, hell yes. We don't coordinate. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and explaining that to us. Uh, I feel a little bit smarter, Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more confused at the same time. But uh, I appreciate the breakdown of uh, how these cases are going. Yeah. And I've got a we'll sidebar. I've got a separate thing to ask you about an incident at um, Best Buy. Uh, that, uh, oh, we can God. talk off the off the record. You a got bit the later. PlayStation Five, okay? So you you won. Just be a good winner. Uh, that's how I got it. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. Let no joyful voice be heard. Let no man look up at the sky with hope. Ah! And let this day be cast by we who ready to wait. Hey everyone, what's up? So, there were some developments in the Kraken world after I recorded with the pod, so I thought it might be best to make an addendum to the episode. I was doing some work for my actual job, and I decided to take a break from Doc Review to check on Twitter. I almost immediately saw a tweet by General Michael Flynn that went something like, hashtag Team Kraken wins a major injunction. Judge Batten issues an order to freeze all Dominion machines in Georgia. The devil may have gone down to Georgia, but its light shines bright today. Of course, a lot of Q followers began celebrating a massive victory. So what happened? Was there a massive victory? Not quite. Here's an excerpt from Judge Batten's order in Pearson v. Kemp, Powell's Georgia Kraken lawsuit. To the extent plaintiffs seek a temporary restraining order to preserve the voting machines in the state of Georgia, and to prevent the wiping of data, their motion is granted. Defendants are ordered to maintain the status quo and are temporarily enjoined from wiping or resetting any voting machines in the state of Georgia until further order of the court. 
So a lot of Howells fans on Twitter, including Michael Flynn, got really excited by this, and rumors that the voting machines in certain counties were impounded and taken into federal custody on court orders started swirling on the internet. But this didn't happen. All Judge Batten's order said was that the defendants couldn't wipe votes or do anything else with the voting machines so that the status quo could be maintained while the court considered Powell's lawsuit. Still, that's a ruling that helps Powell, right? Sort of. It's pretty standard to have a don't mess with the items at the center of this lawsuit because they might need to be investigated later on order entered. However, a few short hours later, it looked like Judge Batten had reversed himself with a new order. The court had learned that the voting machines in question were in the custody of county election officials and not the state officials Powell had named as the defendants in her suit. So I'm going to read from that order. Plaintiff's request fails because the voting equipment they seek to impound is in the possession of county election officials. Any injunction the court issues would extend only to the defendants and those within their control. And the plaintiffs have not demonstrated that the county election officials are within the defendants' control. Defendants cannot serve as a proxy for local election officials against whom the relief can be sought. Therefore, to the extent plaintiffs seek emergency relief to impound the voting machines where the request is denied. So in short, Powell had only sued state officials where she would have needed to name the county election officials to have the voting machines impounded or even as the previous order had demanded, maintained. So there are a ton of moving parts in state governments and it's actually not uncommon even for lawyers that aren't running complete clown shows to sue the wrong government entity when they're trying to get a state to do something or refrain from doing something. But the previous order fell through because Powell had named the wrong defendants in her lawsuit. But of course, if you looked anywhere where conspiracy theorists post, there were immediately a ton of accusations that Judge Batten and the court were hiding something. Thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for five bucks a month to get a whole second episode every single week, plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes. There are now over a hundred of them. When you subscribe, you really help us stay advertising free and editorially independent. And uh, we usually stream on Twitch uh, twice a week at uh, twitch.tv slash QAnon Anonymous. And for everything else, there's QAnonAnonymous.com where you'll find uh, our merch, uh, a link to the Discord community, uh, access to lost episodes, music, all sorts of cool stuff. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy, it's fact. And now, today's auto cue. And that company, Smartmatic, their their roots are in Venezuela, isn't that right? Yes, sir. Uh, Hugo Chavez was one of the one of the founders and uh, invested, I think, twenty eight percent ownership in the the initial setup of uh, of the uh, the SGO election systems. And they have been involved in several South American elections that were fixed, altered. Argentina, Bolivia, Singapore. Venezuela, Italy, several. And just, just to simplify things, and we can make this available to you, uh, we've, we have several witnesses that go back to that period of time who were involved in the vote fixing, who have looked at the vote pattern in Arizona and elsewhere and said that the pattern matches the way in which Dominion and Smartmatic, companies like that, Six votes, isn't that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.